morning to all of you. Uh, when, when I read the email about Pastor Danny passing away, um, and then uh, I was kind of reading Pastor Danilo also, that's my name. You know, I kind of, kind of, you know, fast forward and just wondered how beautiful Pastor Danny is singing right now. And, you know, um, and I realized that life is short. And if there's any opportunity for you to serve God now, make use of it rather than wait until you don't have the opportunity. You know, Pastor Danny was saying if he could be healthier, he would be um, starting a Bible study series among older people living in retirement homes. And he would do it in Tagalog because there are so many Filipinos out there who are retired. And that was in his heart. And I told him, you know, when you get well, we'll do it together. And, of course, God had other plans, but he's in a better place. So this morning, we just want to talk about something about Jesus. So why don't we all rise and read scriptures? Let's read scriptures. Um, we'll, look, we'll look at the passage, Luke chapter 19, verse 28 to 44. Let's read it together, shall we? After Jesus... Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say the Lord needs it. Those who were present. The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the cloak, put Jesus on it, and he went along. People spread the cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And he approached Jerusalem. He, saw this. he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in every side. They will dash you to the ground, and the children... May the Lord bless the reading of his word to make us see and hear. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, because of him... We are saved because he came for the lost so that they'll be found and have life, life in all its fullness. We are here. But Lord, many are still lost and needs to see Jesus. Jesus, you have to be made known. 
And Lord, as your followers and disciples this morning, we want to see you even more. Lay upon our hearts what's in yours, O God. Make us see what makes you happy and make us see what makes you sad. Lord, give us a proper perspective of who you are this morning. And as we always pray, don't allow us to leave this place without a new perspective. Don't allow us to leave this place unchanged, O Lord. We commit this time to you. Lord, I commit myself to you. I cannot teach your people apart from your spirit, Lord. For you are our only teacher. So teach us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I have a video. He's a prophet, a great prophet. A prophet? On a donkey? Today is Palm Sunday, and um, you know I had a, I had prepared a different message actually, and I was prepared to give it because I prepared that two weeks before, but God impressed upon me perhaps to share with you something um, different because um, the Spirit led me to say, why don't you talk about that that the last week of of Jesus when he was alive. In fact, it's Palm Sunday today. It's the first of the last six days of Jesus on earth. Of course, he resurrected on the third day and he remained on earth again. But, you know, it's the first of the last six days. And I, I told myself, why, Lord, do you want me to talk about this when this is something very common to people? You know, God impressed upon me, you know, maybe you should try to, to really start to see 
feel, even smell what was going on then. To be able to understand what Jesus was going through. To be able to see what Jesus saw. To be able to feel what Jesus felt. So that this will have a real meaning for us as we go through this week and eventually celebrate Resurrection Sunday. And I said, okay, Lord, let me, let me think about it. And God impressed upon me to take a look at Palm Sunday all over again. For us to know Jesus well. For us to know what's in his heart. For us to know what makes him happy. And for us to know what makes him sad. Let's do what makes him happy and let's avoid what makes him sad, right? That's what we're supposed to do. And this morning, I've entitled the message, Stop Waving the Palm. Danny, what are you talking about? It's Palm Sunday. Everybody was waving the palm, right? And here I am telling you guys, after the insight I've gotten about this message, stop waving the palm. And I hope you will understand why I'm saying this. Palm Sunday. It looked something like this, as you have seen in the movie. Jesus was on a cult, walking to the city, and it was Sunday, the start of the Passover celebration. Lots of people, welling crowd, right? Just picture it. Picture it. Smell it. Imagine it. The noise, the people coming in, and Jesus coming in to Jerusalem on a cult. Can you picture it? You know what? Passover. You're familiar with the Bible study we had on Passover, right? It is, it is God reminding his people to celebrate Passover. What is the Passover? The angel of death coming over their people, okay, to set Egypt free to go to the promised land. Sorry, from Egypt to go to the promised land. And God told them to celebrate this year after year from the time they left Egypt. Not only because it reminds them of their deliverance, but it points to the future of the coming Messiah. That was the purpose of the Passover. And here's the situation now where the people are going to celebrate it. And Jesus entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey. On a donkey. Symbolic of what? You know what I realize? It is symbolic of a new king welcomed by his people and his subjects. All right? That's why Jesus did it. And the scene was electric. The crowd was big. It was loud. And it was the start of the Passover. Jesus entered into a donkey. But you know, did Jesus want that? Did Jesus actually go there? Oh, I want to ride this donkey because I want to be declared the new king. Probably. But you know, if you ask me, I don't think Jesus wanted it. Because Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. Right? The people had no idea. They were yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna. But Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. What was going to happen that week? He was going to be butchered. He was going to die. And if you were Jesus, would you like to ride on a donkey, be hailed king, and know that you're going to be butchered? You know, Jesus' Jesus' heart was kind of mixed, wasn't it? I want you to feel that. There was Jesus 
riding on a donkey. The people were shouting, but he knew what was going to happen. He knew he was going to die. He knew that these very same people who were shouting Hosanna will be the very same people who will cry, crucify him, crucify him. If you were Jesus, what would you feel? See what Jesus saw. Feel what Jesus feel or felt. And even smell what he smelled. Jesus knew all along what was about to happen and what he will face. In fact, a chapter before that, in, eight, in Luke 18, verse 31, it says, Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. And then he said this, For he will be handed over to the Gentiles, he will be mocked, mistreated, and spit upon. And after they have scourged him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. And then I added, or the scriptures added, but the disciples understood none of these things. Did Jesus know what he was going to go through? Absolutely. Absolutely. The disciples knew? No. And that kind of bled his heart. Did the people know? No. But he was supposed to do it just the same because he was obedient to do his father's will. The disciples did not understand. Let's recount the story, shall we? Verse 29. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt, a donkey, tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Uh, which no one has ever ridden, untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. You know, Jesus was very specific. Jesus exactly knew what the owner of the cult will say. What will you need it for? And he was, they instructed the two people to say that the Lord needs it. You see, this is, this is the geographic picture of uh, Jerusalem. And Jesus was at the Mount of Olives right there. And he was looking down at Jerusalem. You know, we, we, we had the opportunity of going to the Promised Land. And we stood exactly where we were at Mount Olives. Because we saw Jerusalem from, from that distance. It was, it was kind of like this. It was kind of like that. Okay, this is, Jerusalem is at the far end, the back. That is, that is the, that, those are the walls. And Jesus was at the Mount of Olives and he was looking at it. That was the kind of story... Uh, the kind of sight that Jesus saw together with his disciples. And then the two disciples wondered, why a donkey? Why on earth is Jesus telling us to go get a donkey? And what will he need a donkey for? If you take a look at the story in the Gospels, did you see Jesus ever ride anything? From going from north, from, from the northern part of Galilee to Jerusalem? What was he doing? He was walking, right? And, you know, of course, the only transportation he took probably was the boat, okay, in the Sea of Galilee. But most of the time, he was walking. And if you were the disciple, all of a sudden, Jesus will tell you, why don't you go get a donkey? Uh, Jesus, why? Are you going to ride a donkey this time? The, the disciples never had any idea. But, you know, when they went to get the donkey, they eventually understood, okay? They eventually understood. God 
had all this planned as evidenced by the prophecy 500 years earlier. Did you know that? There was a prophecy 500 years earlier that this was supposed to happen. Okay, in Zechariah 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is what? Coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation. Humble, mounted on a donkey. Guys, this was 500 years earlier. And what is Jesus saying? Hey, this has been written a long time ago. And this is going to happen. Whether you like it or not, this is going to happen. Even in a cult, a fall of a donkey. You know, the, the entrances of king varies. There, you know, when a king enters a place, and if it's war, they usually come in chariots with galloping horses. Okay? They, they usually come, like, you know, serious about the situation when there is war going on. That's what they do. But in times of peace, the way kings enter is different. The way kings will enter is nakasakay sila sa maliit na colt, okay? Or donkey. That's, it's, that's the way it was supposed to be done. And when a king enters the place with a donkey, he signifies that he's coming in peace and there's no war. All right? That's the reason why Jesus did that. And he was to, it was to symbolize what? Jesus, for Jesus to ride into Jerusalem upon a donkey, it is to declare that he is a king proclaiming peace, not war. That was his promise. So, and look at that in verse 21. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voice, for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And then look at that. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. I never understood that. You know, I thought that it was a joke. Right? I thought that it was really a joke. It was the start of the Passover week celebration. And everybody, everybody was pouring in to Jerusalem. Right? And, you know, uh, everybody was there. Everybody was bringing sacrifice. And everybody was excited about celebrating the Passover. A lot of people coming. And then there were also Roman soldiers. And then Pontius Pilate was also there. Right? Why, why do you have troops and Roman soldiers there? Because of the gathering, the Romans were afraid that it can be an opportunity for what? A revolution. That's why they have a lot of people there, but to control the crowd. Okay? That's the purpose. And then uh, Herod is also there, the one who beheaded uh, John the Baptist. He's also there because he's the, the, the king, right? And of course, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were also there. All star cast, in other words. Everybody was there, and here was Jesus entering the city on a donkey, declaring that he is the new king, declaring peace. Wow. You know what? It was actually a public de- declaration that he was the promised king. You see, in the video, everybody was watching. Who is this Jesus? What is this he doing? And most of the people know that once you enter a place and you're riding on a donkey, you are declaring that you are the promised king. And in a situation like that, people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. 
How did the people respond to that declaration? And what were they imagining? I want you to, to imagine the situation. There was a lot of people yelling, as you have seen in the movie. And my question is, how did the people respond to that declaration? And what were they imagining? Many, of course, probably were there. They were hailing and, and welcoming Jesus because of their desire to overthrow Roman rule. Finally, you know, the Jews were there. They were excited. The king is coming. And finally, we will be liberated from the Romans. That's why, that's why they were very happy, right? And then there were other people also probably who were simply amused and were laughing. This Jesus, the son of the carpenter from Nazareth, the king? Are you kidding me? That was what was going on in their heads. And then there were people also who were simply angry and upset. Who does he think he is? You know, I mean, the goal of this person from Nazareth declaring himself king. What I'm trying to show you is there's a mixture of people reacting to the scene. And I want you to become part of that scene right now. And I wish to know how you will react to Jesus himself. We're looking at it from hindsight, of course. We are Christians looking at, looking at it right now as a history in review. But you know what? You might get shocked at what you hear and what you see later on. That's why I said, stop waving the palm. Okay? These people are waving palms. Many were excited, especially those whom he healed, changed, fed, taught, raised from the dead, touched, helped. Everybody was there. Oh, the person who healed us, the person who changed us, the person who fed us is here. And he was supposed to be, and he's going to be the king. I like that. They're excited. And people were saying, hey, have you heard about Lazarus? Lazarus was raised from the dead a week before. Did you know that? And Lazarus was in the grave. He was already you know, embalmed and everything. And this Jesus, you know, said, Lazarus, come forth. And you know what? He rose from the dead. And, and, and Lazarus is there. He's there. He's there. It's Lazarus. You can see him? Yeah, he's here. And that person who raised him from the dead is there on the call. Wow. And he's declaring himself king. That's exciting, isn't it? Wow. And in the crowd were those who loved him. There was Bartimaeus, the blind man. That Jesus gave sight. He was poor. And now you can see him in the crowd. Waving at Jesus and saying. Look Jesus I can see. And then there is. The guy like me. Tall guy. Zacchaeus. Okay. He, he, he paid back all the things that he, he, what, that was, that was, uh, he owed to the society. And he made peace with God. And he was waving. Hey Jesus can you see me? Then he rushed up the stair. Hey Jesus can you see me? Just imagine the scene. There were so many people because Jesus was declaring himself as what? The new king of peace, not the king of war. And then there were the lepers who had been healed. Look at them. They're rejoicing with Jesus right here. Then Jairus, Jairus the daughter, back to life again after experiencing death. They're all here. Lazarus, Mary, Martha, Mary Magdalene. They were all there. And then what about the 5,000 that he fed? 3,000 first and then 2,000 after? With loaves and fish. They were all there. They were all excited. Real excitement, festive and expectant. They were all there because Jesus was marching in as a king. They all love him. Now this man is parading king. The guy who taught them, molded them and changed them. Wow, what a scene. 
Some of the Pharisees in the crowd were even offended and told Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. You know what Jesus said? I really love this. I tell you what Jesus said. If you make them shut up, the stones will cry out. Can you imagine how authoritative Jesus was? I mean, can you imagine? Guys, if, if we just don't praise Jesus right here, right now, can you imagine the, 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 the chairs praising Jesus? Would you like to see that? I'd like to see that. Because if, you know, if I see that, man, I'll never be the same. Lord Jesus, one day, can you make the chairs sing? Okay? So that these people will be changed forever. You know, what about the disciples? Were they there? Yes or no? They were. How did they react to this grand entrance of Jesus? I want you to picture. Like I said, I want you to be there. Think. Feel. See. Touch. Smell. What was going on? Everybody was excited about the day. There was Judas. You know, what did Judas want? You know, the reason why Judas joined Jesus was because he wanted a new government. He was a rebel. You know, can you imagine Judas? Ha! Finally! Jesus got it. And he's going to be my king. We will overthrow these Romans. Was he excited? Oh, you bet he was excited. What about, what about Peter walking? Look at Peter with chest expanded. Ha! Finally! You know, we're going to rule. And he has a sword right here, just in case somebody tried to, to do something wrong. What was he saying? Finally, all the weight is over. It's worth leaving my fish, uh, my, my, what? My, my nets, and my, my, uh, my, my, my job as a fisherman. Finally, we will be recognized as part of this new kingdom. What about Andrew? You know Andrew? Andrew is used to one-on-one, bringing one person to God at a time. And he must have been overwhelmed because there were so many people coming to Jesus. He was probably just as excited as every one of us was there. What about James and John? What were they doing? Oh, James, John, eto na. Jesus Christ is here. He's going to take over. You know, John, ako sa kanan, ha? James, ako sa kaliwa, ha? Okay. What, what were they doing? They were trying to position themselves already for what? Authority. You know what they were looking forward? They're looking for a new government that will take over Rome. Was that the agenda of Jesus? Everybody's agenda was different, yet the agenda of the King of Kings was different. He came for a different reason. He came for peace. He did not come, he did not come to overthrow, you know, but all of a sudden, Jesus, in all of this, realizing what was happening, he simply stopped. Imagine all the noise. Imagine all the expectations. All of a sudden, he stopped. As he approached Jerusalem, what happened? He saw the city and he wept. He wept. I, I, you know, I didn't realize that that Palm Sunday, with all of the rejoicing and the merrymaking, because a new king is coming, Jesus himself wept. There were only two times that Jesus wept, right? I thought there was only one when Lazarus was, before, when Lazarus died, and then he was, you know, uh, brought up from the dead. And then I discovered Jesus Christ wept here as well. He wept. Why did Jesus weep here at Palm Sunday? All of a sudden, he wept. There was no longer any laughter, but Jesus wept. You know why? Because the people did not understand the purpose of his coming. Jesus came for a reason, 
the people expected a different reason for Jesus to come. Jesus wept because he understood that the people missed the point that God had given them. And in verse 42, Jesus said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. That's loaded. You know, Jesus said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your sight. And then he gave a prophecy. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. How tragic. How sad. That's the reason why Jesus wept. They did not see. You see, the fact that they waved palm branches showed that they did not understand the kingdom plans of God. What? You see, the fact that they waved palm branches. I thought when I was young, every Palm Sunday, I thought that that Palm Sunday was significant. You know, but as I took a look at scriptures and understand it, the fact that they waved palm branches showed that they did not understand. You know why? Because this is exactly what their grandparents did in a different situation about 200 years earlier. You know, the story about Judas Maccabeus, the Maccabees War. A bit of history here, okay? You know, Judas Maccabeus led, led a, a rebellion against the, the, the Syrian uh, uh, rulers at that time. And he restored Jewish worship at the temple. And when he won, okay, the grandparents, of course, of the people in Jesus' time were waving what? Palm branches. And the palm branches actually signified that a new government is taking over, all right? And the people were willing to what? To join the new uh, government and even are willing to raise up in arms and revolt. In other words, fight with the new ruler. Okay, that's what it means. So when the people in Jesus' time waved palms, they never understood. They thought that Jesus was going to be the new king who was going to what? Take over Rome. And they were even willing to fight with Jesus. That was what they were trying to signify. And like their grandparents, they waved palms to say that they were ready to pick up arms, go to war, if Jesus would lead them to overthrow Rome. But the fact is, Jesus did not, over, did not come to overthrow, to, over, to overthrow Roman rule. Jesus came to what? For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. He did not come to overthrow Rome. He came to seek and save that which was lost. That's what he came for. Remember what Pastor Bong said last week? He said, Jesus came to a search and rescue, to search and rescue the lost and dead spiritually. By offering peace and reconciliation to God. That's why he came in peace. He came in peace to reconcile people to God. He did not come to overthrow Rome. 
Amen po ba? Okay. Amen po ba? <laughs> Para si Pastor Bob, amen po ba? Parang makakaintindi kayo. Jesus said, Jesus said, even if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. That's tragic. Jesus came to bring peace, to reconcile man to God, but a lot of people did not understand. They were waving palms because they wanted to overthrow Rome, and they wanted to change their present situation. Jesus did not come to overthrow Roman rule to be an earthly king. In fact, he came for this purpose. He communicated this to the people in Matthew 5, 43-44. I did not come to overthrow Rome. I came because I want you to realize this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. He came to present the kingdom of God. He did not come to change the kingdom of Rome to make it the kingdom of Israel, but rather he came to present the kingdom of God. You know, when, when he was saying this, the Israelites were probably wondering, love our enemies? Jesus, are you kidding me? You, you want us to love the Romans after what they have done to us? You know, that's what Jesus is actually telling them. You got, you got to be kidding me, Jesus. And then he said, further, he said, in, in Matthew 38, 41, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him give your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. You know, this is exactly what Jesus was communicating when he came as a king of peace. Right? He was communicating the kingdom of God. But what did the people want? The people want to change the government. The people want revolution. The people want something else. The people were waving the palm. The people wanted a change in government. The people wanted what they want for themselves. Why do you think they want a change in government? To serve their purposes, right? They want to start ruling. They want their own agenda served. You understand what I'm saying? You know, waving the plaid, waving the palm represents wrong motives. Waving the palm represents that you do not understand why Jesus came. And you don't understand the agenda of the king. The agenda of the king is peace. The agenda of the king is not to serve your purpose. The agenda of the king is not to make you want the situation become an Israeli government instead of the Roman government. That's not what Jesus wants. Jesus said, you know, in fact, I want to do the reverse. I want you to love your enemy. I want you to, when somebody slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other also. You know, is that what they wanted? Absolutely not. They completely ignored what Jesus was talking about because they had a different agenda. They had a different agenda, and that's the reason why Jesus wept. Jesus wept because these people do not see what I want to accomplish. As a matter of fact, Jesus wept because the people, he thought that the people thought that what he wanted was impossible. Love Rome? Give Rome more? You gotta be kidding me. 
No, we want to overthrow Rome. We want to get rid of Rome. That's what the world wants. That's what you want. That's what they want. And I want you to put yourselves in the shoes of the Israelites then. Would you be waving the same palm today? Because you want your own agenda instead of the agenda of Jesus? Danny, I don't understand what you're talking about. Let me explain. Okay. Jesus did not come to overthrow Roman rule, but to be an earthly king. He came to show Christ's likeness, guys. He came to show what it means to be a person who is dead to himself. Who is going to sacrifice himself and be Christ-like. He came to show heaven on earth. Where is heaven? Heaven is something that Pastor Danny is there right now. If Pastor Danny can only come down and show us what kind of heaven and how beautiful heaven is, believe me, we will hate earth. The problem is, we never get to see how good heaven is on earth because many people do not know how to show heaven on earth. The kingdom of God on earth, that's exactly what Jesus came for. He came to show that heaven is possible on earth. He came to show that his followers should behave Christ-like so that heaven can be reflected on earth. He did not come to overthrow Rome. He did not come to solve your problems. You know, your mortgage problem. Yes, it's part of that. He didn't come to get rid of all of your sufferings and difficulties right now for your sake. No, he came to make you Christ-like. He came to make you reconciled to God. He came because he wanted you to reflect heaven on earth. But here we are saying, Jesus, if you will only save me from my problems, if you will only take away my Rome, I will serve you. And you know what? When he hears that, he cries. You know why? Because you're missing the point. The reason why he came is because he wanted to reconcile man to God. The reason why he came is because he wanted Christ-likeness all over the place. The reason why he came is because he wanted to show heaven on earth, kingdom of God on earth. So please, stop waving the palm. It's Palm Sunday. Of course, I'm so glad we don't see any palm here. But if you have the opportunity to understand what it means, I hope it sinks into your heart right now. I used to bring that palm at home and put it on the wall, okay? To remind me that I am a good person and a religious person. But you know, the more I understood what made Jesus cry. You know what made Jesus cry? The palm. Because the palm represented a different agenda from his agenda. And from now on, please stop waving the palm. Instead, understand and know the purpose of his coming. Why did Jesus come? He said, I came to bring peace. He said, even you, if you, even you, had only known on this day what, what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Guys, folks, CCF, what would bring you peace? Are you troubled right now, today? Are you, are you, are you facing concerns in your life today? Worries? Future? Money? Remember what Pastor Bong shared with us last week? More than enough. Here, look. 
more than enough. And if you realize that God is more than enough, won't you experience peace, Ike? Many of us miss it just the same. Jesus came to bring us peace because He is more than enough. Amen Puba. Okay. Now I'm beginning to use that. Huh? Amen Puba. Okay. Huh. Okay. Amen Puba. Jesus came. Okay. And He wants to bring you peace. Do you get it? Or you keep on missing it? And Pastor Bong approached it differently. He said, My God will supply all of your needs. If God says He will supply all of your needs and He will reconcile you to His Father so that you can go to heaven when you die, aren't you going to have peace? You will. But here we are behaving and still asking Jesus for something else. Waving the palm. Lord, I I don't want heaven now. I want my boyfriend. I'm old already. Can't you see, Lord? I'm 42. <laughs> Guys, Lord is more than enough. I'm going to lose my mortgage next week, Lord. I don't have a job. You see, we're so focused on the here and now, we keep waving the palm. Uh, are you getting it? Then this is because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. That Jesus came for peace and reconciliation. Not to save you from your present trouble. Of course, it's part of that. When you recognize the real purpose why Jesus came, believe it or not, He will deliver you from your present trouble as well. But our focus is the present. We forget about the long-term perspective. Jesus came for that reason. He came to bring Christ-likeness, heaven and earth, Kingdom of God on earth. If we miss that, we will keep waving the palm. Wave peace and reconciliation instead. Wave and reflect Christ's likeness, heaven on earth. Kingdom of God on earth. My question is this. Are we still waving the palm today and make Jesus weep? Because we still don't know why he came to earth. Oh, yeah. He saved me. Good. Then I'll enjoy it when I die. I'll be in heaven. Wrong. That's what's happening to many Christians today. They simply want Jesus as a ticket to heaven. While they're here, they can do whatever they like. Change the Roman rule. Do whatever I like. But when I die, I like it because I'm going to heaven. Because Jesus is my ticket. Is that what Jesus wants you to do and wants to know? Absolutely not. We are, we are still making him something he is not. And my prayer for all of us going into the Holy Week is to meditate. Do we see Jesus as he is? The king who came for peace and reconciliation rather than the king who is supposed to be my ATM my genie, my transportation to heaven. All of these are good. But please, look and see beyond that. Every time Jesus sees that you are not seeing his purpose for his coming, he weeps, he cries. What are my people doing? Why are my people so concerned about this earthly life and don't see what I see? 
People need to be reconciled to God. And people do not see what I see. That's why he cries. Our king. Yes, he's our king. A convenient king who will overthrow our problems. Take care of our enemies to meet our personal needs rather than let him rule as king of our hearts and our lives. This is a hard message. But once you get it, I think you and I will move to a first step towards being more mature in our Christianity and in our Christ-likeness. We are waving the palm. What are we doing when we wave the palm? We are so busy. We are so busy. Hello, we're so busy for the things that are here and now. So busy, never bothering to consider eternally important things. We are so earthly focused. Yes or no? Of course, on Sundays we are heaven focused. Every time we go to a Bible study and into a discipleship group, we are heaven focused. And that's why we want discipleship in this group. Because we will have all the opportunity to focus on the agenda of the Lord. Who's influencing who is the question. Are the Christians influencing the world or the world continues to influence the Christians? There was a story, you know, um, Hillary and Bill Clinton were um, uh, on a vacation and uh, they were going through the countryside and they ran out of gas. And then, you know, Bill Clinton pulled in the gas station and then uh, he was pumping gas. And all of a sudden, the man from the gas station, I think the manager, stepped out. And then Hillary shouted, Charlie, is that you? You know, and they said, oh, Hillary, is that you? So they hugged each other for a long time. And they were talking for about a long time. And Bill Clinton was looking, pumping gas, okay? And, you know, after that, they talked for 30 minutes. And then Hillary went back to the car. And Bill said, who's that? Who's that guy? Oh, that's Charlie. He was my previous boyfriend. And, you know, we, we almost got married and we, we had it so great. Okay? And then Bill, being so proud, said, hey, you know, Hillary, guess what? If you didn't marry me, okay, you, you know, <laughs> you would not be the first lady of the United States. Okay? You see? And then Hillary said, you know what, Bill? If I married him, he would be the president of the United States. <laughs> See, who's influencing who? Is the world influencing you or we influencing the world? So there's so many confusion on who's influencing who, right? And my challenge to us this morning is please influence the world. Christians, we have to learn what Jesus came here for. Wave peace and reconciliation instead of the palm. Every time we wave the palm, people will see, oh, you're just like me. Everybody else is waving the palm because they have short-term agendas. And Jesus weeps every time he sees us in that area. Don't wave the palm. Wave and reflect Christ-likeness, heaven on earth, kingdom on earth. Who has greater influence over you? The world or something else? Who shaped you? You know, with Jesus, you can wave peace and reconciliation. Without Jesus, you will just be plain selfish.
And that's why I am excited about what we are going to do in the coming weeks, in the coming months, in the coming years. We're going to go into discipleship because discipleship will allow us what? To reflect Jesus in our lives so that we can wave the peace of reconciliation, peace and reconciliation to the world and hopefully be an influence to the world and help the world change for the better. Let the world know love and peace and reconciliation. How? Live this out. It's difficult, but live this out. What did Jesus say? You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's the world what he's saying. But Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. As you're seated right now, are there people that you hate but God is telling you to love? Hey, it's Holy Week, as they say. You know, people come to church only on two occasions. Most people on two occasions in the country. It's Easter, Resurrection Sunday, and Christmas. They're, they're called Kriasti people, okay? Christmas and Easter, okay? Kriasti people, they, they're called, okay? And, you know, we can have the opportunity to make these people stop doing that and become regular Christians who will reflect peace and reconciliations every day of their lives. If we practice Christ-likeness. What is Christ-likeness? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You know your boss who's been giving you a hard time? Have you been praying for that? I'm serious. Some of us, some of us are working in, in, in companies right now where we don't like the people we work with, right? Why don't you start praying for them? In fact, bring them chocolates tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amen, Puba. You know, do something that will what? Wave peace and reconciliation instead of waving the palm. If you wave the palm, what do you say? I hope this guy gets fired so that I take over the job. (laughs) That's waving the palm, right? But if you wave peace and reconciliation, you will say, Lord, I pray that you bless this person. Give me the opportunity to show Christ to this person. Because this person is lost. The reason why he's behaving like that is because he's insecure and he wants some recognition and he's lost. And here I am. Because of my Christ-likeness, I can do something to help this person. That's waving the flag, or rather, peace and reconciliation. Does that make sense to you? Palm Sunday. Don't wave the palm. Wave peace and reconciliation. And then, he said, you know, Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Let's practice that right now, okay? Okay. Uh, Ates, can you slap Butch? And, uh, all right. No, I'm just kidding, okay? Look. Uh, the, the most difficult part of Christianity is application, okay? Can we practice this? You slap and then you turn the other cheek. Isa pa, okay? Amen po ba? Like, you know, guys... It's so easy to talk about it, but it's so difficult to do it. When somebody gets your shirt, give him your other shirt. And he add the coat too. See? How hard is that? It's impossible, believe me guys. For us Christians, it's impossible unless you understand that you have the Holy Spirit and Christ who can make you do it. That's why he came. And that's why you and I have the Holy Spirit 
Because he came for that reason. To enable us to be able to wave peace and reconciliation to the world out there. Not wave your own agenda. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. This is Christ's likeness. This is heaven on earth. This is the kingdom of God on earth. And that's what Jesus wants you and I to know. And believe me, when you discover this, you will have peace. And you will be a happy person. Contrary to what the world says. 2 Corinthians 5.17, and I will close with this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Why do you think Christ came? To reconcile us to God. He wants us to be his subject. If, if the king wants peace and reconciliation, as subject, shouldn't we do the same thing? That's why he wants us to be Christ-like. That's why he wants us to be Christians. Just like him. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Who are we? Verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Wave peace and reconciliation instead. Wave and reflect Christ's likeness, heaven and earth, kingdom of God on earth. And you know what? We will make him known again in the USA. And we will do that, as I said, if we make disciples who will make disciples starting here in CCFLA. You know, next week is what? Next week is Resurrection Sunday. Is it possible for us to share the gospel and invite your enemies, <laughs> your friends, and your neighbors, the lost and the hurting, to worship with us this Sunday? And you know what? We have a very good message next Sunday. Christ has risen. And if Christ has risen, we definitely can become the kind of person that he wants us to be, alive, not dead. Waving peace and reconciliation, alive, not dead. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for Palm Sunday. I never quite understood it the way I do now. And Lord, our prayer is that beginning today, we will see you for who you are. Our king who came for peace. Our king who wants to make us Christ-like. Our king who wants us to show heaven on earth. Our king who wants us to experience kingdom of God here on earth. Lord, remove the blinds in our eyes because of the things that we see around us. Help us to be eternally focused rather than need and earthly focused. We ask for your forgiveness, Father, when we continue to push our agenda, even when we know, Lord Jesus, that you want us to pursue a different agenda altogether. We know that you're crying because of what we're doing. But Lord, we know 
we know that you love us. And the reason why you continue to communicate to us is to change us. And Lord, this morning, would you speak to all of us so that we will not become people who will wave the palm, but rather, Lord, reflect Christ-likeness, peace and reconciliation here on earth. Lord, change us. The world out there is hurting and suffering. And the world out there, Lord, needs to see you. And we want you, we want them to see you, Lord, through us, beginning today and the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.